This one. Is that, is that, yeah, two more, two. Good morning! Good morning! Luis! Could you just turn this up a small bit because I gotta keep it down here? Thank you. This way. Thank you. Good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning! Can you hear me at the back? Would you give me a wave if you can hear me at the back? That's good, you can hear me at the back. Now, a number of people have asked me already this morning, what, what happened to you? What, what, what's wrong with your shoulder? Well, I went, into, I went into a medical supplies place yesterday, or actually it was during the weekend, and I said, I need a shoulder immobilizer, because this is to immobilize my shoulder. And he said, what do you want it for? Have you got an injury? I said, no, I just want some attention. <laughs> so he said, we have different kinds of shoulder immobilizers. He said, we have one that puts you this way, and people go, oh, what happened to you? Or we can go right up to grade five, where people go, whoa, what happened to you? So I said, I'll have that one, please. Thank you, I need the attention. Good to see you all in this morning, brothers and sisters. May God bless you. And may God bless us as we read his word this morning. Can I get an amen? amen. Does anybody know what, know, know what day to, uh, last Wednesday was? The start of what? Anybody? It was the start of Lent. The start of Lent, which is a Christian festival or Christian feast that lasts for 40 days. It begins... Uh, it starts on, on, on what's called Ash Wednesday. It begins on that Wednesday and runs for the 40 days that go right up to Easter. And it has been celebrated by Christians, or it has been practiced by Christians. Celebration is probably the wrong word for it. It's been practiced by Christians for over 1,700 years. And the reason it's been practiced is because it's a practice that remembers Jesus travels and temptation in the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And I want to look at that passage of scripture today because I believe God wants to speak to us through it. I did a series back in, uh, back in January, at the start of January, called The Resistance. Well, this is somewhat of a follow-on to it. And I want to tell you something very important. I call this morning's message The First Battle. Because the first battle that Jesus faced, as we're going to read here in his temptation, the first battle he faced is the same battle that you face every day. It's the same battle, it's the first battle you face when you get up every morning. That is, whether you will believe God's truth or the devil's lies. It's that simple. That's the first battle. Are you going to believe what God says about your life? Are you going to believe what your own body, what, your, what the world says about you, or what the devil says about your life? The choice is between truth and lies. It's not very complicated, really. And it's a battle, and it goes on in your life and in my life. Every day, every single day, all the days of your life. I became a Christian in 1986. I'm still in that battle. I believe God's word no much more than I believed it back then. I believe God's, uh, God's word for my future and for my situation much more now than I did then. Yet still, it's a battle every day because we're lost in a sea and in a world where there's bad news on the TV, bad news on your Facebook feed, bad news about all sorts. But we will choose to believe God's word here. Can I get an amen? amen. The resistance was the name of the, of the series I did. And the third was about the devil. It was about how we resist the devil. And that is exactly where we're looking at today in terms of God's word and the passage we're going to be looking at. Remember, if you do, if you weren't, it doesn't matter. Let me give you a simple reminder. In the Bible, we are told, in the New Testament, we effectively face three enemies. The first is the world. What the world says, its culture. What it says about our lives, about the way that we should live. The second is our own physical flesh, our own passions, our own desires, 
our own needs, sometimes dressed up as wants and wants dressed up as needs. And of course we face the devil himself who actually challenges us and whispers in our ear lies that will lead us astray time and time and time again. And some people who are here this morning, you've been listening to lies. You've been believing lies. You've been embracing lies. And God wants to speak his truth into your life today. Can I get an amen? amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to pray before we look at the scripture. I'm just going to ask, can we pray now? Well, I can't lift both hands, but if you want to, you can. I'm going to lift one hand just for the sake of it. And we're going to pray and ask God's Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, as we come before you this morning, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, this word will come to life in our heads and in our hearts. Can I get an amen? amen. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would guide us, that you would direct us, and that you would lead us and strengthen us for the battle ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's take our seats, brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. We're going to look at, about, look at it in a second. And he went through everything that you went through. Everything you're going through, Jesus went through. And the reason I know that you can get through what you're getting through is because Jesus got it through it first and on your behalf. Are you with me? Here's what the book of Hebrews says about the trials that you face and the trials that Jesus faced. It's a very interesting statement that the apostle writes here in this letter. He says this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our, empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are and yet he did not sin hallelujah so let's approach god's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need hallelujah I don't know about you, but every day is my time of need. <laughs> I don't know about your experiences, but I love when it says, we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Really? Jesus was tempted the same way as I was? Jesus was tempted to go in and punch your neighbor's lights out because they have the music up too late, late at night? Well, not maybe exactly in those details, but yeah, Jesus got angry. You see, when he turns over the table of the money changers in the temple, do you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to hit them one up, up, up across the jaw, but he didn't because he didn't sin. Can they get an amen? amen? That's the Jesus we believe in. The Jesus that we believe in is not some cardboard cutout. He was flesh and blood, human bone, just like you are, completely and yeah. fully man, completely and fully God at the same time. And we're going to look at how the speaker of truth meets the teller of lies. The speaker of truth, that is Jesus, meets the teller of lies in the wilderness. May God bless us as we read his word again. Hallelujah. I'm going to start with Matthew's Gospel chapter 3. The very last verse of Matthew's Gospel chapter 3 is the setup to the events that begin as we see them played out in Matthew's Gospel chapter 4. And this is what it says. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went to John the Baptist. He was baptized. It was almost certainly spring. And he came up. He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Hallelujah. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And this is what God is saying over the lives of many of us here today who need to hear it. You are my child whom I love. 
with you, I am well pleased. Not well pleased because of you're such a great guy in your own right, but I'm well pleased with you because you stand on the ground of what my son Jesus did. That's why he's well pleased with you and with your life today. And that's the setup. That's the framing of all that follows next. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He hears the voice from heaven. So does everyone around him hear the voice from heaven. And so begins our story from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. It says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. Thank you for that one, Matthew. I'd never have figured that one out. He was very hungry after 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness, alone, on his own, 40 days with no company, no radio, no TV, no phone. Ah! Can't go 40 minutes without a phone. No phone, no street light, no noise, nothing. And I know that many of the introverts here are going, yes, Lord, take me for 40 days and 40 nights away from everyone. And all the extroverts are going, ah! Like me. 40 days on your own, no one, no company, only snakes and scorpions, the odd rabbit maybe. That's all you have for company for 40 days and no food. You see, it's when we're at our extremists that the enemy very often comes to us. And many people think that this is, you know, the devil came to Jesus when he was weak. You know, it's the exact opposite. When he fasted for 40 days and he was very hungry and he'd honored God, that's when he was at his strongest. That's when the enemy comes to him. Amen. But he comes and he begins to whisper in Jesus' ear. Just like he whispers in your ear. That's what he does. He whispers in our ear. He begins to speak and he begins to suggest and begins to say things. He's very hungry and this is what it says the enemy came to him. It says, during that time the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. If you're the son of God, just talk to the stones. They'll become bread. You don't need to put up with that hunger anymore. There's no need for that. If you're the son of God, come on. Just make them into bread. It's that simple. And then you won't be hungry anymore. And you won't have that need anymore. You can fulfill your own needs if you're the son of God. And he begins to whisper to him. And he begins to touch, as it were, Jesus, right where everybody else has been touched then and since then. And will be forevermore until we're, until we're in heaven. That's this. He begins to touch him at the source of his physical desires. That's where we're touched first. At the source of our physical desires. The things that we want physically are the first point of temptation for the enemy. It's the first point of temptation for Jesus. Physical needs physical hunger. You're the son of God. What's the big deal? You're hungry. You don't have to go to spare. Just tell the, sto tell the stones to become loaves of bread and you can feed yourself. But Jesus had a better plan. This is what Jesus said. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Uh, that's what people live on. You see, our current, our current culture tells us to do what you feel is right. If it feels right, do it. How can a love like this be so wrong? It can be wrong 
because it's wrong, because the culture says, hey, if you feel it, just do it, because that's the most important thing, that you have happiness and that you're fulfilled. Feel it, do it. It's that simple. But you know what? This is what Jesus said. He said, people do not live by bread alone. You don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But I'll go further. It's not just the people who know that, who live by the, the word that comes from the mouth of God. It is every living human being on planet Earth who lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Paul writes to the Colossian church and he says that in Jesus all of creation is held together in him. His word sustains everything. His word speaks and holds everything together. Every single human being on planet earth has breath in their bodies, their hearts beat, life in their lungs because he allows it to be so. We all live by the word of God. And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. How did Jesus quote that? How did he know it? He learned Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. In actual fact, it's very likely that as a committed Jew, Jesus would have known every verse of the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. They would have learned it as children. No, I'm not suggesting that because if I do, I make a hypocrite. I don't know all that. Come on. But he knew it and he was able to quote God's word. Lesson one, when the enemy speaks his lies, speak God's truth. When the enemy tells the lies, speak God's truth. Can I get an amen? Amen. And he's speaking, and the enemy is telling lies to us all the time. Let's get into another one. So the first one is Jesus' physical need. Now, John writing in 1 John chapter 2, we looked at it about a month ago, said this. He said, all the things that are in this world, he said, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, these are not from God, but from the world. And so it's the same three set. If you want to know where people fall, lust of the flesh, Physical desires, physical wants, physical lusts, lusts of the eyes, the things that we want and grab, all of our envying, all of our jealousies, that's another root of it. And lastly, the pride of life, what we think of ourselves, how we become puffed up. And no matter how low you are on the pecking order, you manage to find someone below you to look down on about you being puffed up. Here's what it says about Jesus. Here's what it says. Then it says the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said. Jump off. Jump off. If you're the son of God, just jump off. For the scripture says, oh, he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot against the stone. Wow. Now, what kind of a temptation is that? Well, I've read a lot of commentaries on this, and there's a few views on it. But the one that seems to be the most predominant is this. That this is the devil tempting Jesus to make a name for himself. What could be more eye-catching than to do a spectacular jump off the temple in Passover? Jerusalem is jam-packed with pilgrims, and you land, and everybody goes, Wow, look what he did! Bring attention to yourself. Do it your own way. You know, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram, no matter how many followers, can you imagine that for an Instagram moment? Jesus lands in Jerusalem, just puts his foot down and the angels catch him. Wow, everybody's going to see that. And this isn't the only time that Jesus is tempted to make a spectacular event like this. Even his own brothers, John's gospel, you can read it, said to him, what are you doing in this backwater? You want to make a name for yourself? Make a name for yourself by going up to Jerusalem and telling everybody there and doing your miracles and signs there. What are you doing hanging back here in the shadows? What are you doing that for? Because they thought, like we all think, 
that it's all about being famous. It's all about being known. It's all about likes on Instagram and followers on Facebook. But you know what? I don't care how many likes you have on Instagram. I don't care how many followers you have on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok. I don't care how many you have. The glory will go to God. That's where the glory needs to be. And Jesus was not going to take that. I'll tell you, I'll go one further. Jesus, Jesus was not going to impress anybody by coming down from the temple. He was going to impress everybody by coming up from the grave. He was coming up from the grave. That's what he said. And that is why Jesus was able to pray in John's gospel, Lord, Father, the time has come, glorify your son. In God's good time, God will do the glorifying. Can I get an amen? amen? And so he's tempted. Do this. You'll be famous. Everyone will know you. And this is what Jesus' response was. Ah, but the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16, Jesus quotes. And something you need to pay attention to here in the framing of this whole story is that when you read this story here in Matthew's Gospel chapter 4, it's also in Luke and referred to very briefly also in Mark, in the Synoptic Gospels. But when you read this story, what you're seeing is a replay of Genesis chapter 3. Because in Genesis chapter 3, the man and the woman are in the garden. They're in what? Will you be? The wilderness. They were taming the wilderness on God's behalf in the garden. And the devil comes and whispers in their ear, Oh, look, look at this beautiful fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had said, Have fruit from any tree, but don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in the day that you eat it, you will certainly die. You will bring death into the world when you do that. But it says that when the woman saw the fruit, she saw that it was pleasing to the eye, pleasant to eat, and good for gaining wisdom. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And here the enemy is tempting Jesus to the pride of life. Make a name for yourself. Be famous. When will I, will I be famous? To quote Goss if you're old enough and you can remember that. It was all about getting the focus on him. And Jesus said, no, you will not test the Lord your God. Because here we see the second Adam, Paul calls him the second Adam in the book of Romans. The second Adam goes into the garden as well. And he is tempted by the devil, but he doesn't fall. Hallelujah. And because he doesn't fall, we have access to the Father now. Praise God. And so we get to the third temptation. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you. He said, if you will just kneel down and worship me, if you will just kneel down and worship me, I will give it all to you. All the kingdoms, all the power, all the money, the lust of the eyes, you can have it all. You can have everything. Just kneel down and worship me. And that's an appeal to what our eyes see. What we wish we had. We see a Lamborghini car driving up McCurtain Street. And look and it goes zoom. You go, I wish I had that car. Are you looking through some of these dissatisfaction magazines? You know what I call household de- house decoration magazines? Looking through dissatisfaction magazines. Like the property supplement in the newspaper. Look, look at the house. And the enemy says, you could have that house. Just bow down and worship me. And you can have that house. Oh, it's about the eyes, about what we see. Tempting him with what he saw. Do you know the difference between Americans and Irish people? Do you know the difference between them? About the way that they're tempted? You see, 
When an American sees a rich guy with a big house on the hill, he looks up at that house and the American says this, he says, someday I'm going to get a house like that. Do you know what happens to the Irish guy? The Irish guy comes out, he comes up, looks up at the house on the hill, looks up at the house and he says, you know, someday I'm going to get the guy who owns that house. <laughs> Welcome to Ireland. Kid me the file Do you have a couple of bucks that's there at all? The economy needs it right now. <laughs> the lust of our eyes. You see, everything you want in your life, listen to me, everything you want in your life is just the other side of the door of compromise. Everything you want in your life, all the money you want is just the other side of the door of a compromise. All the sex you want is just the other side of a door of compromise. All the food and alcohol and drugs you want is just the other side of the door of compromise. All the fame and success and fortune, just the other side of the door of compromise. All you have to do is just kneel down and worship me. But you see what the devil didn't know, because he, how would he know, is that it says in Revelation at the coming of Jesus, at the second coming of Jesus, what do those in heaven declare? No, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he will reign forevermore. The devil couldn't give it to him because the devil didn't own it. It is God's, all of God's, so it is. And what does the enemy, what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says to him, get out of here, Satan. He told him for the scriptures say, I love it, I love it. It says, you know the way it translates in the New Living Translation. Get out of here, Satan. It's like, like a New York Jew. Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Get out of here. I love the way he says to, you know, we just get a realistic version of Jesus. Not this kind of, I see thee, get out of here. But get out of here. But you know that Jesus is not Irish because if he's Irish, he said, if you don't mind, devil at all, devil. <laughs> I hate to be a burden now, but, but like you're tempting me all day long. <laughs> Would you mind just giving us 10 minutes to be safe? <laughs> Honestly, I'll be back in 10 minutes. No, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. That's what the Irish Jesus would do. Well, hallelujah. The Jesus of the Bible says, get out of here. And when the devil wakes you up at night, yes. and when the devil offers you his hook with his beard on it, look him squarely in the eye and say, get out of here. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you're not going to get crucified. This is never going to happen to you. And it says that Jesus turned and said, get behind me, Satan. But you know what he said? He said, get out of here. You don't have God's things in your mind. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13. And here's the beauty of it. Having resisted the temptation of the devil to the flesh, to the eyes, to the pride. Having resisted all that and stood his ground. Hallelujah. The devil went away and angels took care of Jesus. Amen. When we say no to the offer of the devil and the world and our flesh, the Lord takes care of us. Amen. He sends his ministering angels to take care of us. Can I get an amen? amen. He sends his angels to take care of us. Hallelujah. Yeah. But what about what was it like out there? Like the, the thing about it is when we look at the scriptures and we read about how Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and for 40 nights 
We often focus on the days. Hot days, desert, scorpions, spiders, whatever, rabbits. I, I don't know what's out in the desert. I, I haven't been there. We always focus on the days and all of our images of these events happen in the daytime. But I can tell you what was even worse was the 40 nights was even worse. Because in the nighttime, you're alone with your thoughts, with your imagination, with your pain. And in that being on your own, everything is amplified. Your fears are amplified. Your doubts are amplified. Your worries about the future are amplified. Your concerns about the present are just amplified. Everything just is made bigger in the isolation and the silence and the darkness. And I know that because I've actually literally gone through this experience myself for the last few weeks. You see, I injured my shoulder a long time back and it's just been getting worse and worse and worse. And then the last maybe three weeks, I haven't had a full night's sleep for the last three weeks. I wake up at one o'clock in the morning, I get up, I pace the house, I pray for a while, I distract myself, listen to a Christian podcast, see I got that bit in there, Christian podcast, I try and do something to distract, but you know something happened last night, I got a full night's sleep, hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord knows I need it. <laughs> but you know something, when I'm lying there, I gotta tell you truthfully brothers, all the questions that I have in my head become amplified. And even this mild pain that I feel, during the day, sometimes I don't even notice it. At night, it's like a screaming pain demanding my attention. And it's the same for Jesus. Remember, in every way like us, he's out there in the wilderness, in the darkness, in the desert. And the enemy comes and whispers to him, if you are the son of God, why are you in this situation? If you are the son of God, why are you going hungry? If you are the Son of God, why isn't everybody with you and following you? And these temptations were the same for Jesus all the way through his life. In the darkness and the desert, the psalmist said this, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me become night. But even in the darkness, take, take faith, take comfort. I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. The darkness and the light are the same to you. You may not see because your senses are physical, but the darkness is just like light to the Lord. Hallelujah. And another psalmist said this, or the same psalmist said this. He said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes with the morning. In the morning comes the joy. When the sun comes up, things will Change. Can I get an amen? amen? And I know that there are some here today and you're having difficult nights right now. And you know that when you close your eyes, the depression and the darkness and the anxiety and the worry for the future comes upon you. We're going to pray for that at the end. We're going to pray with you at the end of your offer. Can I get an amen? amen. We're going to pray and say, Lord, be our God in the light or in the darkness. Hallelujah. Amen. This is what the writer, the American Christian writer and theologian, E.V.R. Edmund said. He said, never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Amen. And this is how Jesus defeated the enemy. When he lies there in the dark, in the desert, he remembers all that God said. He remembers the words of God. And he begins to quote these words to himself, just like you need to speak to your own soul. You see, the current culture says you need to listen to yourself. No, 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 no. The Bible says you need to speak to yourself. And what you need to speak above more, more than anything else is the word of God. What does God say about my situation? 
It'll either convict me, convince me, or release me. Hallelujah. What does God's word say about my situation? I had a bad experience last week. I was called for an MRI scan. Anybody here ever had an MRI scan? I had two of them last week. Such fun. I don't know. I can't understand why people don't have parties and MRI scanners. They're such great crack. Because they lay you down and they put you in a still position and then they roll you into a coffin. And they scan you. And as I lay there in that coffin and I'm a little bit claustrophobic, I've always had a bit of a tight spaces thing, you know. As I laid there in that coffin, I must say, I had to breathe through my nose, and through my mouth. As the machine starts going, and I'm going, am I being transported to the planet Mars? What's happening next? And then, of course, you begin to think, forgive me, you begin to think, oh, there's been a fire in the hospital and everyone's gone and I'm left in the scanner. Or worse still, the person who was scanning me was a Christian and no, no, the second coming has come. He's been raptured and I'm left in the scanner. But as I lay there, and I didn't like it for one second. I opened my eyes and the top of the scanner was like, there. I just began to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And as I lay there in the scanner, I declare this. Surely the goodness and mercy of God will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I promise you, I'm not making that up. That is exactly what I did. I said it to myself. I wasn't saying... Do you know why? Because when you're in darkness, or when you're in an MRI scanner, or when you're going through bad physical times, or even bad psychological times, there's this one thing that begins to show up in our heads. It's what I call the big if. What if? What if? And the devil loves it when we're asking what if. You see, we rarely ask what if in a good sense, but we'll come to that in a second. Very often we say, what if? What if I don't get well? What if in this scan they find something that really is unpleasant? What if, maybe you're here today, what if I don't find a husband or I don't find a wife? What if I don't have a child? What if I can't buy a home or rent a home? What if? What if the results come back and it's really bad? What if? And the devil loves to have us in the what if department. Because he knows that we're human in nature and we're weak and we're fallen and we're full of fear and anxiety and concern. And he knows that we rarely think, what if God moves in my life and my neighbors get saved? Amen. What if God moves in our church and a revival breaks out in Cork? Amen. We don't tend to think like that. We think the other if. And how does he do it? He did it with Jesus. If you are the son of God. If you are the Son of God. All of this will be yours if you bow down and worship me. If the enemy loves the word if. You see, he does something to us. He does something to us all the time. And I'm nearly finished, brothers and sisters, so just bear with me for a minute. He does something to Christians. He does something to human beings. But he does it to Christians particularly all the time. 
He takes what God has said, God's full stop, and he turns it into a question mark. That's what he does. That's what he does. When the devil said, throw yourself down, Jesus said, you shall not test the Lord your God. Full stop. And he said, make the stones into bread. Jesus said, it says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Full stop. That's what he does. Are you with me? And then the enemy turns it into a question mark. Just like he did with Adam and Eve. He said, the Lord said, do not eat from, you can eat from any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil at the center of the garden. The enemy shows up, full stop. Got me full stop. And then the enemy comes along and says, has God really said that? He adds in the question mark where it should be the full stop. And you know the first attack? The first attack is always on identity. It's the first attack. If you are the son of God, if you were a Christian, why have you got this trouble in your life? If you are a Christian, why don't you have the big house on the hill like Shawnee has? If you are a Christian, how come you can't find a job that you love? If you are a Christian, why can't you have children? If you are a Christian, why are you sick? If you are, if, 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 he starts asking questions. You see, most confusion begins by turning a full stop into a question. So imagine tomorrow morning, I woke up and I said, I know I'm 55 years of age. My name is Michael. But you know what? What if I'm actually a woman? <laughs> and I come out of the bedroom and Elma says, morning, Michael. I say, you can call me Michelle from now on. <laughs> like, it starts with a question. All of this nonsense starts with a question. Oh no, you were assigned male at birth. What a load of nonsense. With the deepest of respect, they saw that you had man jewellery. And they said, you're a man. See, like poor old Charles down there this morning. Charles, your name is Charles, not Sharon. <laughs> if your child comes to you with the deepest of respect and says to you, your boy, the boy, imagine my one of boys coming. The boy comes along, or better said, little girl comes across. Daddy, I know you said I'm a girl, but I think I might be a boy. Do you know what you should say to that child? Get out of here! God has spoken full stops over all of our lives. And we need to obey those full stops. Let those sneaky little question marks come in. Hi, my name is Michael and I'm a man. Amen. Here's some of the things that God says over our lives. And they are God's full stop. And we must not let the enemy turn them into question marks in our lives. We need to know what God's word says, what it says about our lives, what he says about us, what he says about our futures. Here's some of the things that he says. He says this one first. He says, you are chosen, full stop. God has chosen you. He says this. He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, full stop. God knit you together in your mother's womb. You are what God says you are, full stop. He says, you are made in the image of God, full stop. Let me continue. He says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Amen. New creations have problems, it's okay. New creations have troubles, that's okay, but you're still a new creation. Full stop. Amen. What else does he say? He says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Full stop. Amen. 
What does that mean, Michael? It means you are the right work that God is doing in the world today through Jesus Christ. That's what it means. You are the righteousness of God. Full stop. You are also God's workmanship. God is at work in you. He called yeah. you. He shaped you. He formed you. He put you together for a purpose. Yeah. You are his workmanship. Yes. You are the clay. He is the potter. Amen. He says you are a child of God. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. You are a child of God. If you know Jesus today, if you have invited Jesus into your life, if you are a Christian, then you are a child of God. That's what the Bible teaches. And that is a full stop. Amen. He also says we are heirs. I love this one. We are heirs with Christ. Everything that's coming to him. Hallelujah. It's coming to us. What do you mean the devil's going to offer me the world? Hang on a second. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. What's he going to give me, huh? Get out of here. He says we are more than conquerors. You will not be conquered. You are a conqueror. And that's full stop. And don't let the enemy put that you're more than a conqueror, really. No, you are more than conquerors. What does that mean? If you are a conqueror, you defeat your enemies. If you're more than a conqueror, your enemies, having been defeated, now serve you. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. This is who you are, full stop. Can I get an amen? Amen. But what does God say about your future? This is what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Have you got a want? Have you got a need this morning? The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He gives his provision. Here it says it again. My God will supply all your needs. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Full stop. God will supply all of your needs. You don't need to go chasing. You don't need. No, you need to be discerning. You need to be discerning. Brothers, if you're looking for a wife, she needs to be a Christian. Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't marry somebody who's not a Christian. Because you're going to bring trouble into your life. Trust me on that one. God's son holds them. He offers us his protection. God's son holds them securely. And the evil one cannot touch them. He can't touch you. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. This is not the opinion of Michael Donovan. This is John, the guy who laid his head on Jesus' breast and spoke to him. The one who was known as John the Beloved, he said this, he said, God's son holds them, that's us, those who love him, securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. He can speak to us, he can make suggestions, but he cannot touch you because you belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now what about peace? He says, my peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. And he goes on to say, I give not as the world gives, but as I give. I give you my peace so that when you wake in the night, with that big if on your mind, with that big question mark in your soul, as Tom referenced earlier, you can say, the Lord has given me his peace. He is my provider. He is my protector. Hallelujah. He is my peace giver. And then he says, and let me say this one. This is my last promise of God this morning. And he says this. He says, he will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave you or forsake you. I feel like God has abandoned me. I will never leave you or forsake you. Oh God, God's not interested in your life. I will never leave you or forsake you. But what about all my problems? I will never leave you or forsake you. Are you with me, brothers and sisters? So when the enemy comes in and whispers in your ear, you know what to say, right? I'm not going to say it again. You know what I'm going to say. So let me finish up with this. This is my last... Last verse for the day. Let me, oh, I'm going to have to turn it off my controller. Oh, sorry. Full stop. Can I get an amen? amen. Full stop. 
These are the things that God says. Last verse. And this is the most important part. Believe it or not. God has spoken many, 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 many things. You read the scriptures. You know them. God has made multiple, multiple promises about your future. He's made promises of provision and protection and provision and his peace and his presence. He's made them all. I love my peace. He made all of these promises. But there's something that we must do. This is what it says. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us. us. We speak the amen to the glory of God. In other words, we don't just hear a promise. We say, amen, Lord. Yes, let it be so in my life. When the Lord says, the Lord is my shepherd, we say, amen. Yes, Lord, I believe that promise. When he says, I will never leave you and forsake you, we say, amen. Yes, Lord, I believe that promise. Can we stand? We're going to pray. We're going to worship God, which is the best thing to do as you finish up Sunday at a church service. We're going to worship the living God. But I want us to pray in just a moment. And I want to pray this. Maybe you've come here this morning and you brought a big if with you in your life. There's something that plays in your mind and it's the big if. What if this doesn't come to pass? What if this situation happens in my life? What if I don't get through this trial and this trouble? What if my son or daughter do this or that or the other thing? We all carry ifs, mental ifs, physical ifs, psychological ifs, relationship ifs. What if I don't meet that wife or that husband? What if I don't have that child? What if I don't get this breakthrough? We're gonna bring our ifs before the Lord today and take that question mark and replace it with God's full stop. Can I get an amen? amen. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Let's confess that first. Let's declare it. But I'm surrounded by you. Let's sing it out. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that in just a couple of moments. I'm going to invite you to put your hand up and say, I want to ask Jesus to come into my life here today. And maybe you're here today and you've been away from God. And you have turned maybe away from God. Your life has gone in a different direction to the way that God would want you to go in. And you know it in your heart and soul this morning. And you want to say, Lord, I want to be restored to your presence and right standing with you today. I want to dispose of that question mark and put your full stop that Jesus is my Lord today if you want to make that declaration. So if you want to invite Jesus into your life or you want to say, Lord, I'm back again. I want you to come back into my life. I want you to, to lead in my life again. If either of those are your prayers this morning, will you raise your hand with every eye closed, wherever you are in the room. Just raise your hand to heaven. Sing. Amen. 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 I see seven hands raised throughout the room here. 
praise God. We're going to pray. Will you pray with me, brothers and sisters? We're going to pray with them. If you've never prayed this prayer before, you'll pray it with us. Or actually, as you are in the congregation, it's a good prayer to pray anyway, isn't it? Every Sunday. Hallelujah. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. yeah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, I come before you today just as I am. I ask you to forgive me, to clean me, to put me on my feet again. I ask you to come into my life. Be my leader. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Take my hand. Lead me today and every day of my life forever and ever. Amen.